Welcome to Grow Her Wings, a podcast by the Malou Project, a 501c3 based in Jacksonville, Florida, with a mission to connect girls to aviation. We are your hosts, Jen and Carrie, and we invite you to join us as we meet new people, talk to old friends, and learn new lessons on the path to inspire more of us to grow our wings. Welcome to Grow Her Wings, a podcast brought to you by the Malou Project, a 501c3 based in Jacksonville, Florida, with a mission to connect girls to aviation. I'm here with Jen. My name's Carrie. We are the co-founders of Malou Project, and we are pleased to welcome one of our new guests today. Jen, who are we talking to? Hey, Carrie. We are talking to Miss Teresa Gathers. Actually, I should call her Captain, because I get upset when I don't get called by my rank. Uh, Captain Teresa Gathers, who is a security forces extraordinaire. Right, Teresa? Yes. I'll claim that all day long. Teresa and I <laughs> Teresa and I met at uh, Air Combat Command at uh, headquarters there. Um, she was at the top of her game. I was just trying my hardest every day not to mess up. And so <laughs> Teresa, would you like to, uh, just to give a little bit of your background, um, what I'm really interested in, and just to be clear, sorry, I'm going to go off a little bit. Uh, so she's a cop, right? So not necessarily in our wheelhouse of flying, but one of the areas where we don't have as many women as we probably could use. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, given current circumstances, all the things that are going on, uh, having diversity of thought and diversity of people, is an important thing so that fits right into uh to Dude. our yeah to our mission Give yeah. Us a pleasure to be on here and um so i've been in my career field for approximately 14 years now in november will be 14 years started off enlisted i joined in 2006 starting off at herbert field and um, i have done everything from patrol to dispatcher to security deployments air-based defense um, in 2015, when I was working with Jen, I got an opportunity to commission and I kind of was refusing to commission unless I got the opportunity to go back into my career field. The reason being is um, I would like to better my career field and help with culture and toxicity that exists, just like it does in a lot of other places. But Hey, Teresa, wait, but wait a second. Didn't, didn't you also say you wanted to be a helicopter pilot? I did. So if I couldn't get security forces, it's too late after you commission to pull back if you don't get the job you want. Uh, my second choice was helicopter pilot because security forces is near and dear to my heart. But um, I love a lot of people that are helicopter pilots, well, one. So I decided to give that an opportunity as well. Um, but so I'm here now. I'm in the process of transitioning into the Air National Guard to go work up um, in Jacksonville as a security forces commander, which was my biggest dream slash goal when I decided to commission because you have the biggest impact um, in a more intimate way to people's lives in the career field because you every single day get decisions for your people. So as far as my background, that's where I am, where I am right now. I wouldn't change anything in the world of what I've gone through to get where I am, but I'm pretty grateful to have the opportunities that I've had. And you're just not happy unless you can work helicopters into the conversation. <laughs> Always. <laughs> I don't know what it must have been like to work with you on a staff. 
Did I mention that I'm a pilot? No. No, you didn't. No, I, I, I haven't actually heard that in yet either. Did I mention that I'm a pilot? Did I mention I'm a cop? Yes, <laughs> which is awesome. So did you want to be a cop before you came into the Air Force? Yes. So kind of funny of how I got into interested in being a cop. So if you've ever seen the show Law & Order SVU, yes. watching that, Mariska Hargitay was, was like my hero, right? Um, the main reason being is that she started a nonprofit a year after doing that show because of um, all the letters she received after from victims. So she started her own organization, then she started the No More campaign, um, which started after I joined. But my plan was to join the military for a couple years and then become a cop for the NYPD. So that didn't happen. Um, I learned to love the Air Force and love the sense of camaraderie that it gives you and just lear like learning the different backgrounds and experiences people have in life when they're not from the same area as you moving around the world was pretty interesting. So I decided to stay in and, and continue to be a cop. I had no idea, Teresa, that you and I were like diehard SPU fans. I would spend hours watching that show, especially in Japan. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes, it's one of my go-to shows. <laughs> Except, I can't remember the guy's name. Carrie, do you remember the guy's name? The guy's Maloney. club? Who? Maloney? Her partner. Yeah, Chris Maloney. Oh, yeah, I had a crush. Yeah. Did you? <laughs> Apparently not enough uh, Stabler. Yeah, Stabler. Just, just a visual crush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wasn't stalking him. No. So did it turn out to be like you thought it was going to be, Teresa, the, the um, law enforcement career field? So I will say that I've had a lot of opportunities I would never expect in our career field. One being when I first met you, the job of doing like protective service detail for a general. Um, aside from that, my last deployment, I just um, went on. I got to do security assessments all throughout Iraq and Syria. And it's just, there's a lot of different opportunities in our career field. And I don't think a lot of people understand that. They think it's either checking IDs at a gate or doing patrol on base. And I've done investigations. I've done criminal intel, um, three deployments, and pretty much every aspect of our career field that you could do at this point, minus like canine and combat arms. So I just... I like to put out there that there's a lot of people that are ignorant to the opportunities and I think sometimes we fail as a crew field to really put them out there a little bit better mm -hmm. and have a lot more pride and ownership and that's what I'm trying to change in the crew field as well is you shouldn't be embarrassed to say you're a cop in the Air Force, right? Um, we have a lot of people that go through a lot of similar issues that happen on the outside with civilian law enforcement. So a huge thing for me is instilling pride in our people and then wanting to come to work every single day and do the best at their job that they can do. That's pretty awesome. I think I, I was just watching, I can't, I'm not sure which website I was on, but it was discussing that people watch what you do before they listen to what you say. So you just mentioning that you wanting to be that demonstration, to be that example of the things that you need to put out, that ownership of those things that you can do and to be proud of it. You showing up every day being proud of it, it's just going to end up being the people that are under your squadron people under your commands. So I think it's great you're a squadron commander. You can be showing up every day proud, showcasing those other opportunities. Sure. It's just gonna start catching up. I believe up. in that. So. 
Now, you mentioned that your original plan was coming to the Air Force, leave, go join the NYPD. Was there a particular event or assignment or mentor that led you to go, you know what, this is it. I want to stay in here and make things better here. Or was it just the overall experience that you had? So I had to make that decision pretty quick because I only signed a two-year contract. Um, but I was actually on my second mm -hmm. deployment when I decided to re-enlist. Um, and I had a phenomenal leadership team. I don't think I've ever been taken care of like that early on in my life, taken, been taken care of so well by other people, especially people that, that um, I barely knew because I was just at the beginning of my deployment when I even made that decision. But um, there's a, a saying out there, you know, that at one point in time, you know, the Air Force, you become a part of the Air Force, you know, but then at another point in time, the Air Force then is instilled and becomes a part of you. And I think that's extremely important. And I think that my biggest thing is the, the pride of the great people I work around and the opportunities that I get um, without judgment a lot of the time, you know? So I'm a true believer and like, I'm a huge faith uh, patriot or patriotic person, but um, for me, it's a lot more than that. It's the sense of family. So I really try to breathe that even through any type of work environment that I'm in and that people understand that they're loved. And I care more about them than them getting the job done because I understand personally, because I've been through it before that if you're not in the right mental state, you know, you can't be effective at work. So showing them that they're cared about makes it a little bit easier for them to come in and when they're having bad days, own that, take a knee and be able to get back to where they need to be and do better in their job. So I love your mentality, your attitude about things. Um, what is the most memorable or I guess even scariest thing that you've had to deal with and how did you deal with it as a, as a cop? <laughs> no, I, I'm just talking about as in, on the job. In general, job wise, right? Okay. Job wise. Job wise. So, um, Actually, this past deployment, I was deployed to Baghdad, Iraq, um, last year from January to August. And I was given the opportunity to lead a ground movement team. It was the only Air Force ground movement team in all of Iraq. And there were two other Army teams. And the coolest part is that I was the only female officer in that, you know, having that opportunity at that time, both Army and Air Force. So I was scared to death because the team I was taking over was what we call the guard equivalent of the 820th. So in the 820th for a career field, they're at Moody and they're ground pounders. They're like, we eat snakes for dinner type guys. You know, it's like a, bro a brotherhood. Um, so going into finding out that was going to be my team. The first thing I thought was, oh crap, you know, so and I put that on myself. Um, I wrote my own story without giving them the opportunity to trust me as a leader. I just went in there and was me and pretty much said, hey, this is what I'm here to do. Um, I'll love you guys to the end. I'll take care of you. I'll make sure you get home to your families. But just understand that you will follow rules and the rules that I put forward because they're to save your lives, right? So throughout the time, we had a couple scares with incidents coming on and um, certain activities on the rise. But I will say the most memorable part of that specifically was the army team came to me and asked me to talk to their um, colonel and general to see if I can fall, they could fall directly under my team and start training with us and all that. And 
for the Army to ask the Air Force in the first place, like for advice and stuff like that in our career field is a huge deal. But more of the fact that I'm a woman and they trusted me in that environment, um, many even more, you know. So I kind of took them under my wing um, unofficially and they started training with our guys and we did joint movements and stuff like that. So I would say it was most memorable because of the tight relationship that I had with my team was a really small team, but then the opportunities to work jointly with the army teams and them trusting in the training that I put forth on my guys. Yeah, that's pretty cool. We know the A20th out at Moody. We were uh, both Carrie and I had to work with them. You said, uh, you said something interesting real quick and, and I don't know if you caught onto that Carrie, but wrote your own story. I wrote that down. What did you mean by that? So I'm going to quote someone else. So Brene Brown, she talks about it, but she says shitty first draft. That's the word she uses, right? Um, or crappy first draft. And so it's basically when you, without even giving someone the opportunity to explain or understanding all aspects of a situation in your head, you come up with your own story of what you think is going on rather than having that conversation. And once you, can, once you can catch on to understanding that you're doing things like that, you can take a step back and pretty much like approach and say, because I went back to the team and told them. I said, this was my first reaction when I found out I was getting you guys. Um, and I was wrong. You guys have taken me in like you would and gave me the opportunity and I really appreciate it. But I'm a real person and I will always be honest, especially when you're supposed to have a tight relationship and it's life or death on a daily basis. But um, I gave them that feedback and kind of use it as a talking point of like recognition of doing that will make you a better person and a stronger leader. So how far into that deployment was it where you recognized you were doing that and opened up to the team to get that feedback? So I noticed I was doing that the minute I started reading Brene Brown's work and got trained through her foundation to be one of the facilitators. So I try to do that a lot, whether it's a personal relationship, professional relationship. And I really, on a daily basis, try to be a better person in the sense of recognizing my shortfall so that I can help other people and admit to what I could be lacking in. That's interesting, because the way that you said it, wrote my own story, and then the following verbiage that you used, what I took from it is that you meant I went ahead and wrote my script of what I was going to be and I didn't care what the team thought of things. I set the example, I set the rules and I wasn't going to have anybody tread on me, which I, I kind of dig. I mean, that. Um, I think it was joint or not joint. I think it was a mixture of the two because I didn't want to use the verbiage because of the cuss word, I'm not going to lie. And then I said it anyway, so it didn't matter. <laughs> but yes, I, I promise you as a woman in the, in the military or just in life in general, I will always write my own story because I finally have gotten that sense of ownership and worth that it took me a long time to get. It does. I wrote, um, I wrote a letter to myself once titled, get out of your own way. Because I think often we, we approach with those assumptions mm -hmm. of, oh, I'm coming in here. I'm the first or I'm the only or the last this, or they're going to assume that but you already get it in your head walking in. So, that's what I took from here. I wrote my own story of you knew that that might be, or it may have been. I think that's what you're saying. You didn't even give them the chance. You just automatically said, I'm going in with this. But I think that's great that 
it's, it's two things. It's the ownership. I wrote my own story. I went in, I'm going to be these things despite anything I think might be an obstacle. And then when you recognize it wasn't an obstacle, they're just, they're following my lead because I care. Because I'm leading from out front. So I commend you on both aspects of the way that could be taken because that was pretty, that's impressive. That's something it took me till about my mid thirties to figure out. <laughs> I'm 45 for reference. So I've only had it out for 10 years. I'm not that much younger. <laughs> I'm 33. <laughs> well, Feel 90, so we're good. I'm over 40 and still learning it. Um, I was listening to a podcast the other day by, uh, it was uh, Allison Bird, who I've just recently discovered, and she was talking about something that says, you weren't put on this earth to fit in, you were put on this earth to add, add to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you aren't adding to it, that doesn't mean you're subtracting from anything. And I thought that was, yeah, I thought that was really great. Um, and it kind of fits into that whole narrative of write your own story. Mm-hmm. Um, so Teresa, if you had any advice for any young ladies that are thinking about um, joining the Air Force, becoming a cop, thinking about doing cops for, or being a security forces airman for two years and getting out to go to the New York Police Department, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> what, what would you give those, those young ladies? So above all, I want them to know that they can do anything they want. Where I am today is not anywhere I thought I would be when I was growing up. And everything that I am now is through the mistakes I've made, um, the sad days, the good days, any type of day, it's made me who I am today. And that's why I say I never change anything for anyone because I'm very happy with the person I am today. So with any career field that you decide to go into or anything you do in life, don't discredit what you're able to do because who you are, you know, own who you are because above everything else, you're your biggest obstacle when you come up with the assumptions or you write a story that might not match what other people are thinking in their head because you didn't take the time to ask. But either way, own who you are and own your story because it's your story to write your entire life. You know, you, we have a lot of options in life right now and there's a lot of opportunities and we just need to educate people a little bit more to understand that they have those opportunities. But never ever discredit who you are because of where you're from Um, what your gender is, your ethnicity, your race, your religion, you know, you have any opportunity. We're in America. And um, although we have some situations where that's not always used in in the best interest of people, just know that there's plenty of other places that you can go and make happen what you want to have happen to make your life what you want it to be. That's great. That's great advice. Mm -hmm. 18 year old me would have loved to hear that. Yeah. Figure that out. <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> what, what's, what's that phrase? Our youth is wasted on the young. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> See, I think of the, you know, that advice or why Jen and I even wanted to start doing the Malou project to begin with was to give better advice than we got. Mm-hmm. So, listening to you speak that that hits that on the mark that's that's advice that i wasn't hearing we weren't hearing you know my nieces still aren't hearing if you want to you know think of young teenagers today and i thank you for sharing that with us well thank you thank you for the opportunity to converse 
Yeah, and uh, Teresa, just so you know, Carrie, she was the driving force behind that Facebook Live where I was in the library uh, presenting. She's mm -hmm. like, you're, you're doing it. You're going online. I'm like, I'm not ready. <laughs> I didn't give her a choice. I told her to get up there and do it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we, we need that. I know, um, you know, she mentioned she's a pilot. <laughs> it was at least two minutes in. I'm I'm a pilot. Sometimes we just need to be told what to do. Yeah. We <laughs> out of our own way. We need people like Teresa to be there to support us and to tell us when we're probably dimming our own light or holding ourselves back. Mm -hmm. If you yeah. ever want some feedback, I'm the one your go-to girl, I can tell you that right now. Yes. I'll always be respectful about it, but I will never, ever. You know what, respect. respectful is good, but sometimes the F-bomb is necessary. <laughs> yes. mm -hmm. It is. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, used. I think that, you know, I, I'm guilty, or not guilty, I don't know how you want to look at it, of giving people feedback, too. Mm -hmm. I think some people are, are off-put by it because they're not sure what that means to get feedback. You get that right. same kind of feeling? Yeah. They're not used to being given constructive criticism. People just let them walk by and do whatever mm -hmm. they want, which I think, honestly, I will say, I think women are better about doing that um, without feeling like the sense of, that they're going to lose an opportunity or something because of the, they were strong with their mm -hmm. feedback in the first place. Like as far as like corrective action or just getting people to understand, like I'm here to move over and let me in because I'm not going anywhere. Right. I had one of my peers at work share something with me that I hadn't thought of before. And it was, I'm still only two years into my new job and I broke my tie. I was too lazy to learn how to tie a tie. So I got a zipper tie. <laughs> and the zipper broke on my zipper tie because I wasn't using it right. So I had to go into work, so in ops, where all the other pilots are and all the managers are, not wearing a tie. And I turned to the captain, I'm like, man, I hope a manager doesn't have to come up to me and correct me on my uniform, because that's going to be really embarrassing. And he goes, you know why a manager here will never walk up and correct a woman on her uniform? And I'm like, oh, here it comes. He goes, because one of you are going to take care of it with each other first. Oh. Goes, we don't do that. He goes, the guys don't do that. He goes, well, we've, we've been watching you, ladies. You, you do not let the standards slip. You hold each other accountable, and you don't get mad at each other for it. Mm -hmm. like, That's uh. good. Because I, again, in my mind, I'm like, oh, here it comes. Yeah. Some <laughs> comment about female pilots, and we don't have to go through all And he goes, because you guys will stop each other. Because you're going to get corrected by a female captain in this room before one of the managers ever walks up to you. <laughs> <laughs> is that better <laughs> well she well it didn't happen because i just i owned yeah i broke my tie i gotta learn how to tie a tie because my zipper tie failed me that <laughs> that conversation brought up that i didn't realize that that was a observation and at least my current job the guys look at that as a strength and something they wish they could do because they can't they walk up to each other and correct something on a uniform and they flip it back and like yeah whatever loser they can't, they can't take it that somebody's trying to help them present a better image. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. Uh, but Carrie, next time you're going to have to bring your zipper tie 
so we can see it. Okay. <laughs> I did get a new zipper tie. <laughs> you learn how to tie a tie? I am learning how to tie a tie. The, doubt, the, the thing is, is I just don't want to wear a tie. I mean, I fly freight. It's not like a passenger is going to be boarding through my airplane and notice my tie. Heaven forbid you're not wearing a tie. The plane may go down. Why am I, why, why don't I just fly in sweatpants? It just fly in sweatpants. I mean, come on. So, so one of my last, before we put depart, um, I don't know how much time we have, but I want to make sure I get the story in about my favorite thing about Teresa. The opportunity she gave me. So, uh, Teresa was uh, an airman. She was a staff sergeant at um, ACC and she was selected for officer training school. And because she went to officer training school and she knew me from headquarters, she was nominated by General Carlisle, um, she asked me to help pin her on. And because I had to pin her on, I had to go out with the general party in his C9. <laughs> <laughs> and we got four star treatment everywhere we went. It was the coolest thing I've ever done in my whole Air Force career. <laughs> <laughs> and the Lieutenant, uh, Lieutenant Colonel, who uh, a good friend of ours, um, he, he was destined to be uh, a one star, two star. Um, Fangs Gilbert. I don't know if you knew him, Carrie. I think he was in your class. He was uh, behind me. Yeah. Yeah. He he watched he watched my son, Henry, and uh, and let me go out and pin Teresa. On. It was it was so cool. So I, I don't know if I've ever told you thank you for that, but I want to make sure to publicly thank you for that. No, thank you, and you'll be there when I put like on a four star. <laughs> and she made it the other few times. She complained that she didn't get four star treatment when I put on first lieutenant and captain, but she covered it. I like. But you kind of did because we did it at the Air Force Memorial, and General Carlisle came to the second one. Heck yeah! And this last one, you got to do it at the base force complex, so. Yeah, but how great that you guys are going to work together again. It's exciting. That's pretty great. I mean, if you think about that, ACC staff and now down in Jacksonville. Yeah. That's pretty cool in the guard. That's I right. Like I, told, like I told Teresa, talent recruits talent. Yes. <laughs> Who recruited me? <laughs> As long as you don't walk around in your current job, Jen, reminding everybody that you're a pilot. Oh, I, of course I do. Yes, she likes Well, specifically my last job when I was the commander of the civil engineering squadron and I, I was being asked how our Milcon projects were going and my boss would say, Jen, that doesn't make sense. And I'm like, yeah, of course it doesn't. I'm a helicopter <laughs> Like you're lucky, I can say Milcon. <laughs> That's right. Um, I had to look I it up. I had to look it up. <laughs> I had to look up and see. You. I didn't know what this was. <laughs> I'm I'm just a pilot. <laughs> but now you're gonna have Teresa there to keep you smart, keep you in line, give you that feedback. I'm a cop. <laughs>
You're going to be really good at keeping her in line then. Okay, yes. That I can do. But I'm impressed with both of you. Um, sometimes people are like, wow, Carrie, you did 21 years active duty. Part of that was, it's scary to change. You know, there's, there were other opportunities out there to leave Go Guard or Reserve, but there was that nice, comfortable, continue along the active duty assignment path mm -hmm. too. So you guys both ventured out into the unknown as far as I'm concerned and continuing to be successful, so. Thank you, appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't do it, it was scary enough to retire. So, so you nice. <laughs> <laughs> so Teresa, if, um, if anybody wanted to, after listening to this podcast or watching uh, this podcast, wanted to reach out to you about anything related to um, police, to being security forces, to the Air Force, would they be able to do that? And you don't have to share your information now. I can definitely filter that, but uh, you know, through the Mueller project, but are you open to that, especially young girls that are interested in, in this career field? Yes, for sure. Anytime you can share my information. Okay. Great. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. I always like joking around with you.